zero, zero, zero to 40K. Hello, everyone. New book, who dis? Welcome to Zero to 40K, the podcast where I drag my friends kicking and screaming into the Warhammer universe. Hello, everyone. New book day. New book day is one of my favorite days as we start on False Gods by Graham McNeil. Sarah, how are you feeling so far about Graham? I have thoughts about Graham. I will never say a bad word about Dan Abnett ever again <laughs> in my life. And that's how I feel about him. <laughs> I will say I pointed out that Dan Abnett was a bit of the high watermark of Warhammer of. authors. And uh, maybe Graham is a middle watermark. Yes. Ooh, that's boy. a thing. Yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, Eric. Yeah. Hi. Looking um, forward to hearing people's thoughts on the gram yeah um and today i was thinking about how much this feels like uh, going back to school for the first time after the summer <laughs> i'm both excited to see my friends and a little bit nervous and i was playing a legend of zelda game all morning and had to interrupt that to do this which also <laughs> felt like going to school there you go we're bringing it back although a timely reference i presume well which zelda yeah i am playing tears of the okay. kingdom so it is a timely <laughs> reference and shannon how are you today i'm great tired uh, it's been a busy it's week. I, I, I took I the week I off. Huh? Sorry. <laughs> Were you going to send one week? By yes. the yeah, I, said, I can't believe I did that. To be fair, I, I went, I went I stained. Wow, <laughs> like, We're been already starting this off with really <laughs> yeah. relevant references. Yep, sorry. Yeah, I hated that I do it and I hated it that I did it more while you were talking. So please continue. <laughs> That's OK. No, I just I'm I'm in between jobs. Uh, literally, I mean, I'm starting my new job tomorrow. And so but I spent this week helping to launch this podcast. And so this is our official recording while we have. Listeners, people are listening on uh. apps and on browsers, and I'm excited to see the numbers there. And and you had a busy weekend, right? I did. We had the we had a midnight release for the new edition of Warhammer 40K, the Leviathan box, and it was awesome. We had a ton of people out. We had a Warhammer 40 cake that said, "Only in death does dessert end," and uh, I was real. It was delicious, and, <laughs> and crazy fun. And I was super tired yesterday because. I don't bounce back from a midnight release as well as I used to <laughs> when I was a younger man. So yeah. here we are. And Walter does. Walter goes goes for it with the cakes he orders. Oh, he doesn't just get the cheapest uh, white sheet cake. Oh, it was a huge cake, and it was great. One of my friends at the shop, I'm like, "Hey, do you want a piece of this cake?" And he's like, "Oh, is it just like white cake?" I'm like, "No, chocolate." And he's like, "Oh, but it has that like." sugary frosty and i'm like buttercream baby i do this right <laughs> that's that's right you yeah. are correct and he was like i, I do want a piece of cake like, yeah there uh, you go speaking of cake though oh. oh yeah we it's a very special day it's very special it's a very special episode. episode i yeah it's my birthday it's my birthday Yay! Yay! <laughs> i'm now even further <laughs> removed from what our tiktok audience will be <laughs> when we share this but yeah. you're closer than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, they're not that much younger than us. No. We just like to say that. Yeah, I'm 36. <laughs> oh, you might actually be older than me, though, uh, now that I'm thinking come about on. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just full disclosure, I put off, much like a kid at the end of the summer, put off the homework until last night and read this while I was a little bit drunk. So... <laughs> it was well, very funny to me. <laughs> this will be the hottest of takes. Yeah. I'm excited. I actually have a lot of a lot of takes. I'm I'm excited to get to. So yeah, we on there. But do we have? Okay. And I have a gift. Um, 
for the first day of school. I, I would like Walter to open it because oh. it's kind of related to something that I've heard you say many times on the podcast. Oh, okay. Shannon, your gift part of this is I wrapped it in tissue paper, so maybe it won't come up on the microphones. Oh, let's see. <laughs> well, but do we want it to come up like as I'm opening it? It's just I a, mean, it's going to a little a weekend bit. of celebration. Maybe this is me opening a gift. Yeah, this actually, is a, it's this fine. is sound effects is what's going on here. It won't be a, immediately apparent what it is. I don't think that's funny. Yes, handle it. What? Okay, so technically it's diamond dust for our Final Fantasy head listeners. But that, my friend, is lapping powder. Holy oh! shit! <laughs> All right. Let me see. It was hard to get because apparently now people use lapping paste to do polishing, oh. and it was hard oh. to find lapping powder well, still. Not but. on Loken's watch. <laughs> he's he's a, opposed it's to this lapping. Diamond powder. This diamond newfangled powder. lapping paste That's Loken amazing. is not okay with. I was glad I had an excuse to wrap it up because it, for the listeners, it looks a little bit like a little baggie of heroin or meth or something. Uh, I was you're like, not this wrong. Would be... I don't know. Oh, oh it doesn't... Whoa, don't breathe. That just powdering. I'm pretty expensive. opened this little tiny baggie of diamond powder for listeners at home and then I did a waft. Here, let me see this. I, I almost did a key of yeah. diamond. I cannot <laughs> smell it at all. It doesn't smell like anything. Well, little... I don't think diamonds smell like anything, but I was thinking like this luxury. doesn't... Yeah. It From the outside of the baggie, it doesn't look sparkly at all, though. Let yeah, that's look. also what I was checking for. Well, as we know, diamond Are dust sure is a space brain's best friend. Did you get scammed? It's possible. I don't know, but I mean, it could <laughs> I mean, be... Because honestly, wouldn't... it reminds me of, like, ash. But it like... wouldn't be a spark, because isn't diamond... It's, no, like, it's, you're right. di- it's a diamond in the rough. No, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you grind it up, maybe it's not sparkly anymore, which is disappointing to me. <laughs> well, that's exciting. We're going to have... We might want to just tape it. Things yeah. with it. We might just tape it at some point to Henry Cavill, so mm-hmm. can he we can make have it his look like powder. it's in his breast pocket oh, of his suit? Yes. yes. And he'll be prepared, because yeah. I bet Henry... Probably uses laughing powder just in his daily routine. Okay, let's talk about a book. So we're reading False Gods, chapters one through five by Graham McNeil. So we're we're leaving the Dan Abnett verse. Well, we're actually staying in the Dan Abnett verse because it's the same characters, but we're <laughs> we're leaving Dan's writing. We're going to Graham McNeil. Uh, for a little context, Graham was a Games Workshop employee for a long time. Uh, he was actually known for a long time for writing a bunch of the rules for Games Workshop. He wrote the army books, the codexes, the codices, if you will. Um, but he's also written a lot of uh, Warhammer novels, although not as many as, say, Dan Abdett has written. Um, and he now works for Riot Games, uh, and he does the background lore for League of Legends. So, And I don't know if that's a pro or a con, but that is a fact about him. So I also met him once at Adepticon, and he is delightful. He is very nice. So anything I say mean about your book, Graham, uh, you're very nice, and I'm sorry that I was friendly to you and then dragged you on a podcast. Um, but it won't be so bad. I love this book it's despite a loving, everything. It's lovingly dragging. Yes, yeah. a loving drag. <laughs> um, right at the get-go, though, I do want to talk. So they do the thing where you get some quotes from at the beginning of the book. Um, and there's one by Kyral Sinderman. And it's a very long quote, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it's all about how one man, you know, it's a folly of man to think that they can change history and da 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 da. And then that's this ridiculous thing. And, and no one really does it except for Horace. It's true because ah, he's Horace. Um, and I'll say in the Warhammer universe, that's insane. They have a super powerful emperor that is single handedly changing the course of history. <laughs> and all of their main people are these super godlike primarchs that are single handedly changing the course. Like their whole universe is based on the idea of super powerful 
superhuman individuals changing history single-handedly. I don't so, know. I mean, none of them are doing it single-handedly. Well, okay, but, like, each one is Lots doing their hands. own thing. Like, it's not... It's not like the, the general thrust of history is sweeping these people up. I mean, mm-hmm. these are all great actors that are doing these huge mm-hmm, things. And mm-hmm. So, whatever, Cinderman. You work for demigod superhumans. <laughs> Let's not pretend that, you know, the, there's not great men and they're all men in this case, changing everything about history. But I like how much Petronella didn't like Carol Sindemann. Yes, right? <laughs> um, and we'll get to Petronella. So um, let's just dive right into chapter one. Nemo Quills, Lethwells, and Curly and Rapiers. Oh my. Jonah and Cassar, our new odd couple. And Davin. I'm sure nothing important happens here. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> yeah, chapter one, we get right into... Um, we're learning a new character. Graham's going to start us right off the bat with someone new uh, to introduce. And a Petronella of, what's her name? Vivar. Pet- Vivar, yes. Um, the fanciest of people. She comes from Terra, the the real one, not the, not the abandoned one that we'll never <laughs> see again. Um, and she has been made like she wants to go and be a fancy remembrancer because mm-hmm. she thinks all these other remembrancers kind of suck. Yeah, she seems like maybe she's this world's Princess Irulan. I got that one. Yeah. I didn't get that one. <laughs> I didn't get that one. She's Princess Irulan. From Dune. Oh. Oh, wow. We're, right. Come on. I'm ashamed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every book starts out with her saying something. Right. Yeah. Like every chapter yeah. of every wow. All right, cut this whole part out. Yeah. You can't. The, the best, loss. The best of the Dune cred. movie starts with her, for sure. Yeah. Well, I meant like the. I David thought she, they always. Had... <laughs> no, Just no, in no. case we didn't all know. I didn't mean that the movies or or you know series start. I meant like at the beginning of chapters. I knew they what you meant. Have yeah, a quote. the little yeah, quotes. Yeah, yeah. But we start with Petronella, um, and she again drags most of the characters that we've seen. She's like, this carcass. He's written a couple good poems, but most of it are pretty crap. But I've heard he's a sleaze bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Cinderman's text in particular irritated her and. Then she mentions a few that have made some pretty okay landscapes and symphonics and whatnot, but that she's obviously the best remembrancer, and she's going to go show these these terrible ones uh, what what. Um, and this chapter has the most wonderfully 40K technology names. She has a, a Nemo quill, <laughs> which can like pick up people's thoughts what? and write, and it's a quill, which is so 40K. Is it... Is it picking up people's thoughts? Does it pick up everyone's thoughts? Uh, well, maybe we should talk about Maggard first. Yes. Poor Maggard. I know. Poor Maggard. So she has a bodyguard named Maggard who's, who has a Curlian rapier, which uh, I'm excited to see what that means because Curlian photography, I'm sure. Do you not know what anyone? Carla, <laughs> I looked right at you. It's like it's a very... It's like the thing you use to like track auras and stuff, and like oh, it's a it's a paranormal okay, like gotcha. to do photography to see people. Or so I'm assuming this is some sort of aura stabbing rapier, or and I'm here for it. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so he has been received surgery uh, to be both a badass, and they removed his tongue because that's what evil rich families do to their servants. But and, he's not a servitor then. No, no, he's a bodyguard. He's okay. like, he's not like a lobotomized robot. He he has thoughts, as you can see, yeah. because the first thought we get from him is ing bitch. When, <laughs> I when, love him. So yeah, and and the, okay about the Nemo quill. It's like quivering in excitement and stuff like that. Yeah, right? it's, it's picking up on the thoughts like, of ooh. 
of people around and like okay. both her own which she writes with it and like people in the area. Okay. I Is it like I, Rita Skeeter's quill? Yeah, oh, there you <laughs> go. Yes. That's that's a good one. Yes. Um yeah, probably JK Rowling read this book and totally stole yes. the Nemo Quill. This, <laughs> this is JK Rowling's favorite novels. I'm no, actually, actually uh, that came uh, that was in The Goblet of Fire and mm-hmm. that came out in the year 2000. Oh, so oh, yeah. Graham McNeil read uh, Harry Potter and, and stole, stole the Nemo this. Quill. Yes. Clearly. Are you impressed that I didn't have to look that up? Yeah, yeah. I was all ready to get onto the Googles, and you're like, no. No, it's the I year I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Came out that summer. Um, but yeah, so the, so he has a mind like a cold steel bite, Maggard does. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was thinking fucking bitch. I mean, we all know what the ing was. <laughs> so fucking bitch. And she seems to um, really like that. Like, she seems to be super into it. She's a fan of it. She's a fan of Chisel Kink for it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Did you guys get that vibe? Oh, yeah. She's like, "Mm." Mm hmm. A delicious thrill of excitement is how they (laughs) describe it. Yeah. So she likes her. her, It's a little weird that she likes the person who's responsible for the safety of her life being like, ah, this guy hates me. Awesome. (laughs) I feel like it's more what I got from it is she's one of those horrible rich people that relishes the fact that like the people resent her power Mm -hmm. over them because that means she has it. Like not necessarily like, oh, he's making fun of me and that's exciting. But more. Yeah. Like and like the knowing he's he's not allowed to say those things that he really wants. He has to to think it and he can't actually say it to her. And does he know that this is how the Nemo Quill works? Yeah, because the. Uses it to communicate with him, right. like that's what she's using mm-hmm. it for, so he can come mm-hmm. in and say, "Hey, your servant's asleep, and that's why she's not ready with your dress right now." Mm-hmm. That but. makes me respect him more that he thought that, knowing that she would. Yeah, see like it. it was on the way out. It's like <laughs> here we are. Um, I also like that you put so the fact that it's a quill is fantastic because that's very forty k, and the fact that you have to put it in a leth well, which I presume because leth is the forgetful river in Greek mythology or whatever, so I presume it makes you like clears all the thoughts out of the it's beautifully 40k and it's it's such a silly idea and one that i want all the time and everything so graham well done just diving right into that um and then we dive into another thing this will be really great for eric we finally get to talk about these titans yeah they're 43 meters tall right this one for now they have dimensions which i was really excited about (laughs) And so we get to see the crew of the, oh, and now we had a whole discussion about how you pronounce Deus Irae, Deus Irae, Deus Irae, Deus Irae, that's how they say it on the podcast, or on the, uh, in the audiobook, audiobook. the class of the Imperator Titan, the Deus Irae, and I'll say, so I'm a, I'm a bit of a, I like classical music, Um, I like a thing, so every time I see this name, there's a piece of classical music by Verdi, Verdi, Verdi. We're going to say Verity. I'm bad at whatever. You'll get there. Uh, there's a piece of classical music that you have all heard if you don't recognize it, but it's it's been in eight million movies and things. Uh, and I think we have an audio clip for it. So that. So every time I read this name, 
in no matter how prosaic a circumstance it is that is immediately what goes through my mind is just this big and i imagine it's playing like behind the dude while he's like plugging in and like while they're doing boring things like because it's amazing that they introduce a giant murderous war machine and everything about it is it's like, well, they were doing system checks and they were cooking up pipes to it. And it's like, is it going to do anything cool? And they're like, no, <laughs> no, they're going to refuel it. We're going to hear about the internal crew uh, and everything about it. So but it doesn't matter because so constantly every time I see the little italicized Dies Irae. <laughs> This is playing. He has AirPods in while he's walking down the halls <laughs> yes. of this thing. The gantry. Yeah. Um, and he's like scanning his his little security card and everything. But uh, but we meet two more characters. Um, so we're, we're well into the first chapter and we haven't seen anyone we know yet. Yeah, um, I was pretty worried uh-huh. that we might not. Same. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're like. 10 pages in and we're already yeah. meeting two new people. I was like, oh, we're OK. Someone was, else knew. <laughs> I was feeling the same way. I was like, we just got used to all these people. Uh, yeah. This guy was like, fuck Dan and fuck Dan's characters. <laughs> We're not I doing my this. Own car- also, I really hate this guy. So, the- Oh, Jonah? Yeah. Jonas? I hate him a lot. But- you hate him more than Petronella? <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's a close one. I not guess- <laughs> starting off great with the first two characters. No. Jo- I think I hate him more because I... The- well, yeah. We can- we'll, I don't want we'll to skip ahead to too yeah, much. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to it. But-, but He does do the thing where... Uh, he's a little smug with he walks like right in front of like a driver that's mm-hmm. like driving around, I don't know, Titan equipment. Mm-hmm. And he almost gets hit. And the guy's like, what the fuck? Watch out where you're walking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And like, look at my shoulder patches. That indicate <laughs> I am a high ranking person. And the person's all like, and he does the same sort of thing that yeah. Petronella yeah. does a little bit where it's yes. like he's ju- reveling in the fact that the person's like grumbling about what a dick he is while uh-huh. they leave. But can't yeah. say it to his face because. He's an important. And do I remember correctly that then he also then turns around and is like, and I'm sorry, what was that? Like yes. He, keeps, he, like, he really like, leans into yeah. it. And he does the, it's like, you be careful now. Anyway, yes. And then he meet his fellow Primus Moderati, Titus. Titus Cassus. Um, who is, we're, we're starting to see what we saw with Euphrates earlier, his Lectitio Divinitatis. And uh, we're seeing the spread of this, this worshiping the emperor is going to all levels of imperial society and this guy is real into it and jonah doesn't want to hear a a lecture about what the 99 virtues of the emperor or whatever so i think i know some of what sarah is going to point out it's not just his sense of superiority that we hate um so let me just play i also just wanted to get uh, some of their voices down here so you guys could hear them but i pray you'll stop referring to it as a she jonah it smacks of pagan anthropomorphizing, said Kassar. A titan is a war machine, nothing more. Steel, adamantine, and plasma with flesh and blood controlling it. How can you say that? asked Arukan, sauntering over to a steel-plated leg section and climbing the steps to the arched gates that led within. He slapped his palm on the thick metal and said, She's obviously a she, Titus. Look at the shapely legs, the curve of the hips. And doesn't she carry us within her like a mother protecting her unborn children? In mockery are the seeds of impiety sown, said Kassar without a trace of irony. And I will not have it. Oh, come on, Titus, said Arukan, warming to his theme. 
Don't you feel it when you're inside her? Don't you hear the beat of her heart in the rumble of her reactor? Or feel the fury of her wrath in the roar of her guns? Look at these gams, oh, man. God. This is clearly yeah, a, a dame. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to point out. Yes. Thank you for playing it. I, anyone who talks about their like vehicle and it's like, oh, she's a real beaut. I'm like, go straight to hell. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't I, talk to me. I did have but to double check to see if he slapped it. Oh, yeah. This what you what? Oh, I he just wants don't want to say, fuck that titan. Sorry, oh, he wants ahead. to fuck that titan. Yeah. But uh, I really wanted to double check to see if the thick armor was with two C's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought about that Super while I was thin. playing it out loud. <laughs> um, what that yeah, gun do? Not just, <laughs> not just the sexualizing mm-hmm. of this uh, robot. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> but also... Like he basically calls Titus a virgin, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and he doesn't basically. Yeah, he's like he you've never but, slept with a woman. Yes, but the way that he goes about this feels like in middle school, two boys making fun of each other for being virgins, even though they're both virgins. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that, that yeah. was neither one of them have game. Neither one of all. them have been inside an actual woman. <laughs> But this yeah. is the... I've made sex before, old boy. Don't you, don't <laughs> you doubt that. Sex. Yeah, it felt very... This book, a thought that I had was, you know, my joke about... Joke, in quotes, about Horse Rising was everybody's gay, I don't make the rules. And I feel like uh, Graham picked up on that and was like, I'm going to make everything as aggressively heterosexual <laughs> as I possibly can because this is not yes. the only time uh-huh. this verges in that yes. direction. No I one's going to mistake this yeah. for anything else. I mean, they're still very thirsty about Horus, and, right. which we'll get to in the Astartes, but... I noted that he gives more descriptions of ships and stuff, which I liked mm-hmm. about Graham, but he's more sexist somehow than Dan. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. I did not need more descriptions of ships. <laughs> like descriptions of ships? Or people walking up ships. <laughs> But I really I don't need that. Right. But in the other yeah. book, it's just like they had some boats with names yes. on it and they shot lasers, maybe. Well, Who knows what they're doing? I liked the description of the, how are we saying it? Deus Irae? Is that Deus right? Deus Irae. Deus Irae. Because, oh. <laughs> as I talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also like putting this music behind it because it's like, it feels like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to play why this. We no, why we're not videotaping this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're social medias. Yeah. So the we just had this description of, like you said, the Nemo quill and the pot and all of that. And it was the same, very gothic. And then the description of this feels very like Star Wars super futuristic to me. Like him walking through the Titan feels a lot more like shiny metal walls, like not this gritty gritty medieval feel the rest of the descriptions we've got had which i actually liked but well, i just thought it was a jarring difference yeah there was a description i might be getting ahead of ourselves but the visual with the clamps on his head and the silver yeah. wires going into his eyes i really liked that me too i thought that was really fun and it would be a fun visual in a show i love those future sciences but they're very invasive yeah. things <laughs> 
Also, Pacific Rim owes Graham McNeil money. Right. <laughs> hey, now, I feel like there have been giant robots in a lot of things. But specifically mind melding with yeah. the giant uh, robot. And with multiple pilots yeah. mind melding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Shout out Evangelion over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about all this specific Rim stuff. Do you have stuff. to do... Oh, you, have a... you don't know about sync ratios? About, <laughs> did you have to have two people whose brains were in sync with each other? No, I think that's Starling and Frank's <laughs> oh, anime time all over the place. <laughs> no, and even Galleon, they had to sync with their, their robots, the brain sync. But, so yeah, then we got that, and then they get to Davin is the big well, end of the chapter. Before we get to Davin, Ooh. can I just say something about um, the the unnamed robot? Wait, no, I, I don't know which robot you're talking about. The Dias Ere. <laughs> No, I just, um, I want to talk about him going into it and some of that stuff. Why was he climbing so many stairs? It's 43 meters tall. Okay, but like later on a little while, he gets this floating disc technology. (laughs) No. Like, why can't can't, they have the floating? You can't putting a floating disc in a leg. You can't? Of course you can't. You have a leg with stairs in a leg. He's the fire. Oh, no, but like... (laughs) Like the legs, so the legs on an Imperator Titan, not to get too specific, that's where like all the soldiers go because like each one carries around like a unit of soldiers in there too. So they're standing on the stairs the whole time? Well, I presume they have like rooms off of the stairwell and everything, if but they you, only get to use stairs. The cool technology is not until you like midway If you give the soldiers the a flying disc, they're going to ask next for a Nemo quill yeah, and then who knows what right. else they're going <laughs> to yeah. want. Wow, wow, wow. So the flying disc is saved for the cool people in the Titan when you get like, it's like the higher you go up in a building and the swankier it is. Yeah. So these it's are the like crappy. the penthouse elevator that goes straight right. to the suite. Yeah. yeah these, are, these are where the, the pedestrians get to hang out in the legs with stairs. With shapely legs. Yes. <laughs> I know. I want to see this on screen, and I want I want this thing to actually have like very thick, like curvy an hourglass figure. Yes, thick <laughs> thighs and a booty. Uh huh. Yes. And I, if I don't see this thing uh, twerking, <laughs> how did you know? I just had to feel like we're in sync. With that walk. song playing, our sync ratio is up. Oh. Huh? <laughs> yes. Oh, if there are any amateur. A- animators out there uh yeah that song with a titan twerking i would i would pay good money for that to exist in the world okay so uh, then when we get to akshub well we're on, we're going into yes akshub who we totally know who that person is um another they, ha- they have a claw yes. yeah and this is when i wrote how many different pov characters are we gonna have just in chapter one <laughs> I think again. I think this is Graham really <laughs> wanting. This is Graham really wanting to start off his book with like, here's some new characters. These are mine. I'm not just going to be writing what Dan Abnett wrote. Um, but then, you know, chat when we get to chapter two, we're right back to right back to all of our old favorites. But yeah, action watches and a bunch of people arrive on Davin, and we get a lot of portents, and it's a whole big deal. Davin, Davin, Davin. Yeah, can, I just have one little bit here about Akshib, though. Hmm. Um, did you notice what she had? Her staff? Her staff? Her, her fetish hung staff? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, so yes. what does fetish mean in the UK? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, this is like a, it has like occulty ornaments, okay. you know, on it and everything. That's like, what that means. Oh, like fetishes, like, um, symbol, like, because that's, I know another use of that yeah, word. That, is, yeah. Okay, this is like just me not knowing thing. what the yeah. words yes. mean. 
Yeah, it's not like a. They also it's not like Abaddon's hair. Yeah, Abaddon's fetish switch hair. Didn't they also say in this little tiny bit that they landed down at a certain Zulu time? They're yes. going by mm-hmm. Zulu time. Yeah, is there in a the future. Zulu here. Yeah, that that they're still using. I assume Zulu it's like pilot talk. Earth. The letters Z for the UK. The letter Z is Zulu in. Yes. Well, Zulu time is like. Oh, is this what? A thing? Isn't it Greenwich Mean Time or whatever? It's like because yeah, the they standard... say a specific time. Yeah, it's yeah. I just assumed it was like. So is that like Terra Zulu time? Yeah. Because we're not on Terra. Yeah, so we're not on Terra. The Imperial Palace isn't in England, so it wouldn't be the same. But yeah, we're using like Earth time. When they said Zulu time, I said, "Are we finally on real Earth?" No, no, we're not. Okay. My only assumption is that ships in the Imperium keep a schedule because they're in space and they cue it to earth somehow for reasons okay but i don't know it's a weird wanting to do a military term in here that doesn't fit in the sort of gothic future of warhammer so just for my clarification we should i should probably just let this drop but is zulu time a thing that we have now it is a thing okay Yes. I thought he was being just saying like it's Z time. Like that's the way that this has evolved <laughs> that we call it Z time. No, that's Z's what, they a cool call it letter. Z time when someone does a jubel. This is Z time. Because <laughs> yeah. you always gotta call zombies turns into Zs zombies. or Zs yes. or like it's morphin time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's extra Z time. But no, it's a it, it's a real thing. Yeah, like for I think again, Greenwich I'm probably wrong and someone's gonna tell me I'm an idiot, but Greenwich Mean Time, I think, is Zulu time. It's like when you wanna say what objective time it is. Gotcha. Go. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Chapter two. Loken continues to be an absolute snack. Horace gets <laughs> real insecure. Carcassy learns women can be friends. I'm gonna disagree with <laughs> well, you. Well, there's his line. He gets. Uh, well, we'll no, get to no, it. no. Let's talk. We. You know what? Let's just talk about it now. We're because, going right to Carcassy. Skip. Well, skip all this. This is because he kind of redeemed himself a little bit in the last no, book. We all softened up. And, yeah. and Graham's like, I can't have. No, this. it's fine. Yeah. I can put a pin in it. Let's talk about Car- Carcassy. Or wait. Well, we first start with <laughs> we first start with Loken. That Mercy is watching Loken train, and she uh, she spends a lot of time talking about his. I love this perfect. His physical perfection was Adonian and the word fit Loken like a masterfully crafted suit of Mark IV plate, which is a clumsy simile. But <laughs> there we are. I learned the important fact that Loken has freckles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did that, go. too. <laughs> so. But yeah, Mercity always has to be introduced in every single book by lusting over Loken. Oh, they have like the the cutesy scene that you would see in like an 80s comedy where like she's staring at him all undressed toweling off from the cages and he's like you're staring without turning Except and she's like Ugh. there's a big difference here she snaps a pit yeah <laughs> that's her job it's like that's gross yeah, I, she's I wrote that one away. get a vibrator mercedes <laughs> mercedy sorry yeah i said i wrote <laughs> she took that last pick for her spank bank yeah Is what do women have spank banks? Is that what they call it? Is it? Like I like that you aimed that at Walter <laughs> and then looked at me. I have a spank bank, in fact. Well, it so. is, I don't know if spank is the right. Yeah, I don't know if you'd call it spanking. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but, but I, I think have an important taking question. Taking a sexy pick. Okay. What would they call a vibrator in this universe? Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. Nice. And would it also read the thoughts <laughs> of the person? Yeah. A vibro stick. Phallic. Yeah, ooh. Yeah. A vibro phallus. Yes, Something. that's yeah. good. This is our first call to actions. We have listeners yeah. now. Write in. 
0240kpod at gmail.com. With Tell your us, best. what would they call a vibrator What's in the gothic, 40k? grim, dark vibrator. <laughs> so we need to know. This is important. Um, we'll probably read but, it on but the But here's pod. the thing. Yeah. Oh, here's 100%. the thing. I, and I, Even if it's I, stupid, you <laughs> dumb dumb. I, I had more to say about this because not only does Mercy take this sexy picked, but Loken is very into it. He's yeah. like, ah, yes, I want to remember me looking super sexy. And um, the thing about it is it reminded me of Sex in the City. There's an episode of Sex in the City where Samantha gets her naked pictures done. Have you have you, any of you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. OK. OK. Um, and, and, you know, because she's like, I want to remember what I looked like when I was young and sexy. Um, and so that led me to the question is, do you think Loken is more of a Miranda? Uh <laughs> Because I do feel like Loken's more of a Miranda, He's, except oh, for, for this. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Wait, that... what's Abaddon then? They're all Mister Biggs, Ooh. by the way, just because they're, <laughs> they're giants. All, <laughs> all Mister Big. <laughs> so, so that that is where I had the question I wanted to ask Henry Cavill is uh, which Sex in the City character do you think Loken is oh, most like? I, I I'm eager to know because we have to assign the whole Mornival though. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, assign all all four of the Mornival folks. I. Because honestly, how many that, sex in the cities are there? There's four. There's four. Yeah, there's so, okay, four. great. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Torgaden so, is Samantha. I know. Sure. I was just going to say Torgaden is a Samantha. Yeah. Such a Samantha. I guess Loken would be Carrie then because he's kind of the. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of our main mm-hmm. POV. Mm-hmm. You're all going to bias Henry to your choices. Just... <laughs> okay. No, no, no. You're right. I'm sorry. I want to hear what yeah. Henry has well, I mean, to obviously. think about this. Edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> Okay, so it's uh, Loken, my, can oh. I say it's Loken? Is it like, is he egotistical for wanting pictures taken of him, or is he like self-realized that he realizes like a I lot of us don't, don't that we are probably looking at our best when we get no. pictures taken? We're all like, look how ugly and fat I look, and then ten years later, you're like, damn, I was yeah. sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I was so. Hot. No. So Loken might just have a healthy attitude about I, his body. Yeah. I was not meaning to actually throw any shade okay. to Loken. He also I think might Samantha's be egotistical. Great. He might be like <laughs> flexing and being like, yeah, I take felt a look like at he that. Was attempting to flirt uh. badly. <laughs> yeah. Which this is getting into something I noticed a lot of the characters. I feel like the characterization has shifted in ways I did not expect, <laughs> especially Loken seems very like goes back and forth between being the sort of himbo that we all knew right. from the first book that doesn't really understand what's going on to then suddenly just like slamming back into that yes. himbo-ness at times. Right. But. Well, I also wrote this. For once, Loken is not the most naive person in the yeah. realm. Yeah. Because Mercity thinks the crusade is going to end. Uh-huh. Right. And he's... Uh, we're we're starting to get poor Loken starting to learn. He's starting to do some learnings and uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't like what he's finding out about yeah. the universe and everything in it and there's a lot of talk about he's very gloomy in this scene when he's not i presume like flexing his cheeks and and making cool poses for mercy making that ass clap yeah yeah <laughs> so you know you could bounce a quarter off that thing like you know loken's keeps it toit yeah but without a rib cage <laughs> god uh, we got a flesh barrel sausage casing <laughs> freckled i can't even say it's too much of a tongue twister horse-faced freckled, freckled flesh barrel <laughs> So super sexy. That's what that's what I want to animate about. that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we get Abaddon showing up and Abaddon's grumpy because he gets uh, that Loken got hit by the 
training servitor or whatever. And Loken's like, you're hanging out too much with remembrancers and scriveners, which is a good word for (laughs) Abaddon to drop. What's so crazy is I feel like he it's the same narrator. but I feel like he completely changed the voice for Abaddon for this book because he sounds a lot like um, Yachtin Cruz now. Oh, weird. Yeah. Do you want to hear? I'll let you listen to that. Abaddon grunted and said, you're getting soft, Loken. Perhaps if you spend more time in the company of warriors than troublesome poets and inquisitive scriveners, you'd be less inclined to such tiredness. That's a weird, that is a weird voice for Abaddon, especially because he's described as like massive. He's like the most like overbearingly huge of all of the. I thought it was an odd choice. That's why I wanted to just share that. That's his grumpy guy voice, apparently. Yeah, Yeah, they're like, Abaddon's kind of a jerk in this book, so this is... (laughs) what he sounds like he was starting to become a jerk at the end of the yeah, list i remember he, he I, was i think he was in my list yeah i think he was in my list of least favorite characters yeah. last time, and so. him and horace axamant yeah i like that loken also has a double-headed eagle tattoo um on his arm that got cut i also can only imagine he has like a butt cheek one like a little <laughs> like i hope more As than a anything tramp stamp? yeah well that works too yeah, yeah. i think I'll his remember. butt just says star chars star Char- Ooh. <laughs> that's on on each cheek star the chars. All got drunk one night and they all went out <laughs> they tattooed his yes. butt yeah that's what happens when you fall asleep first at the morn of all sleep sleepover um but yes so we get to that and then we get to them. We, we do a little of the jumping around time wise. Before we leave Loken there, he ta- he was talking about some sort of uh, battle, right? I don't remember which one it was, but uh, he says a word that I thought was a Walter word. Internecine. Oh. Inter- I mean, that's just like an internal conflict. Like, I- <laughs> like so what? What do you mean? It's oh, just I love the word. word. Oh, I love that word. Yes. yes. <laughs> I thought you were asking like- what it meant. No, I, I thought you thought it was like a 40k of ism. No, I was no. saying that's a Walter word. Yeah, but then we get to we're going to talk about going to Davin. Um, Another time jump. Yes. In addition to our POV switching. He's like, we're going to yeah. do. I loved when Dan did it. That's I'm going to do first. it, too. He does it more. My first bullet. <laughs> my first bullet says again with the time jumps. And he also doesn't like again, I don't want to trash this guy too much. There's parts of this book I enjoyed, but. He doesn't do it as deftly as Dan did, which is why I said I will never complain about Dan Abbott. <laughs> I was Dan, often confused about when we were. Yeah, and Dan time. wasn't great at it. For the no, record, right? he wasn't. No. But I usually caught up pretty quickly. Like, oh, uh-huh. so this is before what we just read. Often I didn't catch that until we moved into the next section. I was like, oh, wait, where were we? So. Oh, and there's a thing before we went. In, I'm I'm looking at my notes and I forgot back the whole conversation they have about they're like, do Astarte's age? And he's like, no one knows. No one's been old enough to tell. And I'm like, you constantly make fun of Yakton Cruz for being a weird old man. <laughs> yeah. Like you have all a space time. marine you call old and who's the old man and he acts old. And it's like, so he's right there. Like, yeah. I yeah, like to think of he's, he's still... in the corner of the room. I think they just call him that, but he still looks young, which I now want to see. It's like a kind of old man head, but on this like, you know, flesh barrel, bulky biceps. Only their faces age. Yeah, body. Yes. <laughs> Nothing else. The rest, they keep it tight. Potty beard. Mm-hmm. And he's still, yeah, just hilariously yeah. flexed out. Um, but we get to Davin and uh, we we hear a little bit about how they originally, the crusade went to Davin. They have some autocathonic warrior casts, which is a beautiful phrase. Um, we don't get to use the word autocathonic often enough. Um and they apparently impressed the Luna Wolves so much that they didn't exterminate all of them, even though they're they kind of imply they're a little mutiny um, and they are not 
quite human-y, which seems like the sort of thing that the uh, the crusade would not be down for. Um, and they talk about, I love that they're like, ah, it'd been a, gr- a good war. We got to fight some people that we respected. We killed a ton of them. None of us died. Go us. And you're like, oh, that's hooray. Um, we also mention Corferon of the Word Bearers, who he'll be important later. So, and the Word Bearers, we're going to get into a lot of Word Bearers um, as things going on. There's going to be bearing words. And then, you know, that they, they get down there and they're going to... You know, we're trying to figure out why. Why are they being brought back to Davin? Why are they here? Um, because Erebus of the Word Bears asked them to show up here, and they don't know what's going on. Was so was he was Erebus uh, a Word Bearer last book? Yes. Okay. Yes. When he mysteriously showed up, that felt like an an add on. Yeah. Blew up, blew up a building, mm-hmm. stole an anathema. I remember nothing about him except we, for he had that last scene and that he had that fight. That yes, the sixty minute fight. Yeah. So. Did we talk about their treatment of Carcassy, though, as a character again? Because I'm a little bit tired of he's the only fat person in the the books. And so everything has to be about him being gluttonous Mm -hmm. as if that's uh, I I guarantee you they always have to talk about how much he's eating. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you Loken's eating more than him. <laughs> Space Brain's got to put them calories. You know what away. I mean? But that's not a bit. But they have to turn it into a bit that he likes to eat a lot, and apparently he likes his meats more well done. Which what kind of foodie is he? <laughs> and he's like, this meat. I still see pink in this. I kind of got the impression that it was like barely cooked over a fire meat, and not oh, this steak isn't quite to my doneness, and more of like this is a slab of meat that somebody sort of put over a fire and then threw on a plate, which I would also have objections to. So it's more him being a snob. Yeah, snob more than, oh, it's not, I want it to be no pink in the middle. I don't like it. Um, but we skipped ahead of my favorite part of Malagurst sneaking into Horace's office <laughs> to do the thing, like, when you don't want to confront somebody. Like, he has bad news <laughs> on a data, data slate. He's there. like, I'm going to just stick this post-it note love, on your desk. <laughs> I love that scene so much, especially because it's a space marine. So, again, we know that space marines know no fear, but they know a little bit of trepidation um, when it comes to not wanting to confront your boss. But Horace is just lurking in the dark uh-huh. like an emo kid. Gigantic yeah. ass Horace. Yeah. Right. And they say, like, his he saw the familiar features of the commander eerily red lit from below by the light of his gorget. And it's like, how did you not notice this, dude? <laughs> he's massive. He's, he's in this Powered armor, it's lighting up his whole face from below, and it's just like, oh, I didn't see you in the dark over there <laughs> with your rave necklace on. <laughs> I feel like he was waiting to tell some spooky stories in the dark. Yes, he did the spook him. But yes, just the idea of him coming in, just gingerly maybe, putting a data slate. Maybe Horace is just like me. He wants to hide and scare people. Yes, he yeah. wants to do, do a spooky. It feels intentional. Like, he was hoping someone would come into what? his office and find him brooding in the dark. Yeah, he needs he wants to brood, but he needs to explain why he's brooding. Um, and we get just moody Horace um, that he's mad. He does like. He doesn't want to hear about this remembrancer, but then Malagurst is like. Yeah, remembrancers suck. And then he's like, but shouldn't I have a remembrancer because I'm the most important dude? And then Malagur says to be like, oh, shit, yeah. I mean, you you should have tens of dozens of remembrancers. And it's so crazy because we'll get to it later. But they there there's an insinuation by Carcassy later that someone's trying to set Horace in a mood so he's not thinking clearly. And 
Loken is so pissed off about this. How dare you insinuate that he's he could be put off his game? Right. <laughs> but right. It's like, but he is constantly getting upset. He even says that it spurts up. <laughs> yes, I got that that spurting Chthonian uh, uh, lava again. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Um, but anyway, I wanted to. I really wanted okay. to highlight the scene of Malagers. Okay. But you know, awkwardly. there's a scene that I feel like Sarah. Sarah, do you want to take a point on this? Is it the one with? Euph- oh, you like know, Euphrates. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me find it. Yeah, just. Oh. <laughs> and it's She's like, a spunky frontiers woman now. Yeah. Apparently. Yep. <laughs> yep. So spunky. And just the way it describes it. Just, I'm having a hard time articulating how mad no, this how part it, made me. How it, it, it um, perseverates on her cleavage. Yes. yes. The, it, the, the, it's not just Ignace who's doing that. It is the author. Yes. Doing that. <laughs> well, and it's such an awkward He's obviously trying to like lay the groundwork for it's like because the thin silver chain hung around her neck, whatever was hanging on it hidden beneath the fabric of her time of her top. And it's like it's it's clearly supposed to be like a religious right. emblem. And we're trying to like uh, hint it that she's getting real. How is she hiding it? If she's shown so much cleavage. Well, and but that the clumsy way of doing it for it's like this is no, no, we're not focusing on her cleavage for purient reasons. We're doing it because I have a story beat because I'm a clever author. And, what kind of author would I be if I didn't mention that cleavage? Right. Yeah. I liked Carcassy for just a split second in this section. Yeah. Right? Because he's like, I'm actually okay with being in the friend zone and I've accepted that. Yeah. And, but- and actually friend zone is a good place to be. Yeah, but he was also like, I've never had a woman as a friend before. Uh, yes. like, I said for a split second. Yeah, for, it was a very split second. This, then oh, sorry, the way that they describe her is like she'd lost weight and wore her blonde hair scraped back in a tight ponytail, still beautifully feminine, despite her best attempts to disguise the fact. Like, it just made my skin crawl. There's this whole way. That well, there's some more later. Section, too. Yeah, it gets yeah. worse. And oh. so maybe I'm thinking of later, but it was weird to me that we now have two. Like, is this a thing? I'm I'm. I, I don't know. This weird thing of like, if a woman doesn't dress feminine, is she even a woman? Yes. It's like both exactly. authors have this weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like that a memo that they have yeah. at HQ. But that like, the thing. That's a pretty Black Library common, headquarters. Uh-huh. As this someone, is our stance. As someone with short hair, you'd be surprised how many people are uh, like, I've been called a 13 year old boy <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, thanks. I'm actually uh um, I guess I'm looking 28 years younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's always weird for me because as like a non-binary person, gender is fucky and weird. And so to have this like very gender essentialist, mm. maybe he is a fan of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> 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 That's what you were saying earlier. But it, it's just very icky. Also because Euphrates is such an interesting character. Like mm-hmm. Walter, you were hinting at the idea that she's hiding this religious right. emblem. Like, there's that which seems to be a very important like thrust of the narrative here that there's this secret religious movement growing that worships the emperor and she seems to be an important part of that to focus so heavily on describing how feminine she is no matter her best efforts to hide yeah, it even and it's if like, she doesn't why do you assume she's doing any of that for you to hide something from you and it's not about you but Parkesy. she's wearing pants like a boy yeah <laughs> it's like, like frontiers ma- woman <laughs> maybe she's wearing the appropriate outfit for going to like a dry deserty yeah. like world it's like we yeah probably Trinella in our stupid dresses <laughs> right. like yeah she should probably wear fatigues and boots like a person do. 
And I meant Petronella because this is looking ahead, but this specifically described that her dresses are not appropriate (laughs) for And her hair. Dresses are not stupid, (laughs) just to clarify. They're not practical practical for a combat operation, for instance. Yeah. I mean, I I do think that people talk about dresses, though, as if they're not practical. And I feel like in most circumstances, they are. In fact, they're real comfy. They're comfy. Oh, yeah. I'm confident that Petronella's dresses. No, yeah. I think it's her dresses that are not. Well, because she can, again, this is looking in my head, but she complains about having to wear a more practical dress, which do exist. (laughs) Yes. She's wearing like a gown. Yeah. Uh, Like a ball gown. I agree. I agree. Yeah. and there's nothing wrong with the however you want to if exactly. you want if you want to dress yourself up but yeah you're gonna look stupid after a while because your fancy quaff is gonna get <laughs> fucked up in the desert it's get unquaffed yeah, yeah. Um, to circle back to this it's just very male gazy in oh a way yeah 100 percent. i feel like even in the most sexist moments dan abnett never crossed into that territory <laughs> for me quite as badly yeah so see dan i hope dan i hope dan didn't turn off this podcast and discuss <laughs> the last few did. episodes <laughs> I hope he's tuning back Maybe in. Maybe he was like, now. let's skip and see what they have to say about other yeah, authors. We're so authors. sorry, Dan. <laughs> we didn't mean it. Did we already skip? Wait, are we in chapter? No, we're not. We're in chapter, chapter two. Oh, and before there. we leave chapter two, I have to, to, I don't know if I have a token for this. I have to put in my one. I don't know how many of these I get where I'm going to get super pedantic okay. and real Warhammery. Okay. Um, but there's a line here that I just, part of my nerd pedant Warhammer soul just thrilled is when he says he is, quote, dry as a Talarn's sandal. Um, and that's just a, a pretty standard one of those things, that a sci-fi trope where you take an expression and you rub your IP on it and, you know, you make it. And, like, the Star Wars books are awful for this. It's like, he stood out like a Wookiee at a Jawa family photo or something <laughs> dumb like that. And I think that's a real one. Um, <laughs> but you do these things. And so I think you can all take from can- context that Talarn must be a place that's very dry, a desert world. Well, guess what? At this time in the history, Talarn is a fertile agro world. And spoiler alert, later in the Horus Heresy series, we get a battle that reduces Talarn to a horrible dry place. And it becomes the <gasps> desert society that in 40k it is. But Graham McNeil apparently didn't know where they were going with this Anac- story. We gotta, we gotta have a Warhammer anachronism singer. So this is, <laughs> I read that and was like, what? <laughs> no. a little jingle for, Walter yeah. just has to remind the audience again once again that he is one of them it was wow. my, it was my favorite thing so anyway I apologize for that but I just had to he doesn't really mean I don't, that I love everything about what I just did so handle it um, but then we get to this meeting they're on Davin they're having a big uh, fancy meeting a war council where all the, the high mucky mucks are there and as soon as Carcassy sees Erebus walk in he knows he knows why he is supposed to be there and that this Erebus guy is up to no good because doing a little time jump, we go back and Loken explains to Cargassy that he's asked him to be here particularly because he wants to look into somebody he doesn't trust. And Cargassy knows it's Erebus. Dun, dun, dun. And then uh, we leave that immediately as we go into chapter three, another meeting of Cinderman's book club. Oh, no, not Yugen Temba, whomever that is. And... <laughs> Carcassy goes from gross to slick in record time. So we get to, again, we do a, a Dan Abnett thing where we have something that's going to be exciting or at least interesting that's happening. And then let's go back to Loken and Cinderman talking about all of his Chronicles of Ursh and other books that he's reading. I actually 
really liked Cinderman's discussion of the thin wall between civilization and barbarism. Right, here. I did too. That's my favorite kind of like uh, fiction. I feel like like you you see it in like horror and other dystopic stuff where people just completely collapse. I was just thinking about some of my favorites of those where people become awful cultists like immediately. Right. Yeah. And it reminded me of The Mist is one of my favorite ones. I'm like, oh, you, yeah. you have been in this grocery store for like a day and you already have a cult going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go from from happy neighbors to human sacrifice in like 48 hours. If you haven't seen The Mist. The Mist is great. The Mist, yeah. It's one of the best Stephen King movies. Um, not the CGI, but well, <laughs> CGI dates itself a yeah. bit. Yeah. I also like Twenty Eight Days Later. I think oh, about that yes. one a lot too. And yes. even good characters like getting very like sort of feral, animalistic. Like, yeah, in but at least that, that was Twenty Eight Days Later. People yeah. had time to devolve. They had some time. It wasn't like I'm hungry. I, I'm a god now. Yeah, the Mist <laughs> is a great example because it's been like a day, and they're in a grocery store, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. not. <laughs> God, She's a was, prophet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just again, no time at all passes. Yeah. Um, but yes. And then I don't know. I feel that Cinderman's being weird in this scene, too, because he talks a lot about, you know, Loken's like, so I think you gave me this book because mm-hmm. demons, right? Like Jubal and all that stuff. And Cinderman's like, huh, I don't know. I think it was just a thing. And it's like you you had to have done that on purpose. <laughs> you couldn't have. You didn't like. It implies that Cinderman did just like grab a random book off the shelf and be like, I read this and go, hey, stop bothering me, kid. I thought he was just playing coy in this this chapter. But yeah, but he seemed to be like, yeah, it's hard hardly to playing coy. It was we'll, not obvious we'll to me. We'll have to either. keep our eye on old Cinderman and see. Okay. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. I also generously read it as him playing coy, but okay. I think it goes back to my issue. I feel like sometimes the characterization is really uneven in this. Mm. I mean, not necessarily his own characterization in this book, but it's not very consistent with what we saw before. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the shift in Horace, for example, in the last chapter from like a oh. fairly even keeled, even tempered mm. person mm-hmm. from what we'd seen so far to suddenly railing about, I want everyone to remember me. Like when he's yeah, in the dark. he's becoming is a it, despot. It, it feels very sudden. Is it intentional or is it bad writing? Right. And based I, on I'm what we've sure. read so far, it's probably bad writing yeah. now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. but. I like that they bring up, Horace brings up again how much he hates taxes in this chapter. Oh. Yes. And did you notice the most important thing about that no. in this chapter? is I went on that whole rant about how it shouldn't be an administrix because there's no mm-hmm. such thing as an administor. Mm-hmm. And that Enid Rathbone is now labeled an administratrix oh. in this one. That Graham apparently agreed with me that administrix is an incorrect Well, it's too writing. late. Our credits say I'm an administrix. I think that still rolls off the tongue better, <laughs> even if it's not as accurate. I'm, I'm with Dan on this one. Like many things, I'm going to lean into Dan's interpretation <laughs> over Graham. You would have told me two months ago that we would be in love with Dan Abnett at this point. I would have... <laughs> Told you you were a damn liar, <laughs> a damn green-skinned what, liar. <laughs> what I hate about uh, so I have to tell you this: this hatred of taxes is kind of bothering me. Like, where does he think all these warships come from? He feels like the Ron Swanson of the Imperium at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like the his little line about if I had my choice, I would kill every exactor in the Imperium. But I'm sure we would be getting tax bills from hell before breakfast. But then, like, everyone, like, laughs, and then they're all like, oh, shit, you're serious. Oh, this is, that's a little less, less funny when that happens. But um, he also snaps at Torgaden, and uh, I wouldn't think I would feel bad for Torgaden, but uh, 
Unnecessary. Yeah, he tells him to keep his mouth shut, and Torgodden actually shoots a hurt glance to his fellows, because again, they're <laughs> children. Um, that they talk about, like, how tough these space marines are, but a mean word from dad. They're all like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> guys, I, I was mean. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cry. There's another bit, I think we'll get to a bit later, with uh, Loken and Nero Vipus, when Loken snaps at Vipus, and there's a whole, like, oh, your feelings are hurt, and it's a weird amount of being concerned about each other's feelings when they're nine-foot-tall killing machines. Yeah, I love that this these giant men are having a heated conversation in a yurt. <laughs> <laughs> How big is this yurt? Apparently it's a hell of a yurt. Especially when you think about it, because it's made for normal people. Yes. Yeah. Like they built this yurt. So again, Horace comes in. Is he constantly like crouching down awkwardly mm-hmm. in the yurt? Yep. Which because I noticed at one point, and maybe we haven't gotten to it yet, but they make a point to describe Horace's office that the proportions are uh-huh. made for yeah, him. Yeah, made for him. Mm-hmm. So, like... That must be out of the ordinary. Yeah, that yeah. must be out of the ordinary. So, like, yeah. The exception just imagining for- once again them huddled <laughs> in a tiny space. Yes. Awkwardly the, in this The exception yurt. proves the rule. If yeah. they don't mention it, we assume it's human proportions. Yeah. So, yeah, he... He had to, like, shuffle into the door without, like, banging his head or shoulders against it as he's coming into this yurt. I like that when... Uh, when he get horse gets mad, they describe I think him clenching his fists into murderous balls. Mur- I wrote murderous balls down. Yes, <laughs> proving again that we are also children. Yes, <laughs> you can't give too much crap to space marines. Yeah. Well, horse will kill you with his murder balls, and you don't want that. <laughs> um, I also like where uh, he comes in. He does his he does his little Horace thing again too, where he's. Sharing jokes with people in the crowd. Oh, I saw and that. And doing his, his hey, thing again. So, yeah. you know, that this trip through the inside of the earth took forever. Finger guns. As he had to. Finger guns, shared jokes with people. We're getting we're getting classic Horace uh, from when he was all grouchy before. Um, but he finally goes to center and then he's just getting started. He's going into full Horace mode. Everything's great. And then Erebus is like, <clears throat> him, sir. And everyone just gets... I believe the shit. Yeah, the audience lets out a collective gasp at such a flagrant breach of etiquette. Um, And everyone gets mad because he's all like, oh, sorry, Horace, but you said this world's compliant, but it's not. And then, yes, Loken feels his collar rise at the affront honor. Everyone gets mad. Aximond, again, reaches for his sword, once more putting lie to the idea of it's like a Stardays fighting the Stardays. Except whenever any of them, I cannot imagine that up until this point in the crusade, no Astartes have fought each other when as soon as someone says anything rude. About Horus. Yeah. In well, particular. Yeah, they draw their swords or whatever. Even Carcassy is in love with Horus. Yeah. Did you notice yes. that? He says something about like a literal god walks in there. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a it's lot like, more. I can't keep my eyes off him, mm-hmm. you know? I need to pay attention to what's happening here, but maybe I can't because he's too beautiful. Right. Although now I'm starting to think maybe it's just like when people are sort of trying to show they're tough. And so they're like drawing their swords, but they're like walking backwards into their friends and like, hold me back, guys. I need <laughs> don't I'm going to kill this guy, except if one of you were to grab me now. <laughs> oh, no, I can't fight him. I'm grabbed. So maybe all of these like yeah. are posturing uh, that they do all the time. So we find out that Yugen Temba, dum dum dum. <gasps> not Yugen Temba. <laughs> Is is uh, not in love with Horus and the Emperor anymore. Yes, that this guy he put in charge that we've never heard of until this point uh, <laughs> has apparently rebelled against uh, the Emperor and against Horus. Um, 
there's a bit where I think they talk about people wail um, <laughs> when when he says something is bad, like when they hear that this guy has spit on his oh. oaths should to the we, emperor. Should we do a wail? Temba now serves the master of Davin's moon and has spat on his oath of loyalty to the emperor. He names you as the lackey of a fallen god. Logan had never met Yugen Temba, but he felt his hatred of the man rise like a sickness in his gorge at this terrible ins- insult to the war master's honor. An astonished wailing swept round the yurt as the assembled warriors felt this insult as keenly as he did. Yes, just the whole yurt loses their shit. Just that they would have the audacity to do that. And then we get uh, we get the little after action report with Carcassie and Logan, where yeah. Carcassie gets to do it again. You know, and it seems like this that maybe make me really want to like Carcassie. Yeah. And know? I think we talked about this in the last book. I forget one of y'all broke brought it up that it was like, I think Eric did where it's like a, they wanted his like casual sexism to be like, ah, this is a guy we can relate to yeah, because we're exactly. guys reading this. And it's like a cute, positive social quirk about the character. And then we're supposed to like it. And then it goes to and then here's him being cool because he's smart. And how else are we supposed to know we like a character? Right. If he's not he's dismissive. Not of women. <laughs> um, and it just seems that Graham is unfortunately like really doubled down on that. Um, but they're oh, still. Yeah. Triple down. Triple down. Yeah. <laughs> Triples make it safe. Um, well, I do. I really love Carcass. One of Carcassy's logic points here, though, where hmm. he is like, "Well, look, I know that Erebus is lying because no one could have met Horus and not absolutely loved him forever and ever and ever." Right. <laughs> um. So this is a bunch of BS. Yes. Can you imagine uh, someone saying something mean about Horus? It's, it's impossible. Yeah. I I was also upset at the end of the chapter. Where um, I was a little worried they're going to make the fraternity, the lodge, out to be a bad thing. Because I'm like, ah, that was like the one place people could hang out and you didn't have all this rank. Mm -hmm. And people weren't trying to one-up each other. It was like the one place I thought all these guys were hanging out and being cool with each other. Yeah. So I'm upset about that. Looks like you've just been brought in by the propaganda of the lodges. No, (laughs) no. I also like that uh, he points out that... Erebus's performance was as good as this actor he'd seen playing Lady Ophelia in the tragedy of Amleti. And you're like, uh, okay. And I get Hamlet still fine. Um, but it's this debased version of Hamlet from 30,000 years, but the most of it's still there. And you're like, okay, Graham, whatever. No one's written a play in the last 28,000 years. We get it. Um, very Star Trek. Very mm-hmm. Star Trek. But they uh, get to Carcassy then. Laying it out that Erebus is obviously manipulating Horus into attacking Davin's moon um, to go after this Yugen Temba. And he he used reverse psychology and all these things. And that's where Loken gets super mad that it's like, what? You think someone could manipulate the war master? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't even hard. Yeah. Like, you were just like, hey, this guy thinks you're dumb. And he's like, well, I'll kill him personally with my murder balls. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's especially funny to me that Loken is so like surprised Pikachu meme about this <laughs> because he's the one who asked Carcassy yes! to come watch. He's like, I don't think this guy is is on the level. And then when he suggests, you're right, he's not on the level. He's like, how dare you? <laughs> what? It's like, what? <laughs> I thought he could just lie to me, not also Although, to Horus. Yeah. Um, and then I love, I do love the scene where Abaddon shows up and he's real grumpy that this remembrancer has the audacity to suggest that Erebus isn't on the level. Um, 
Keep in mind how he sounds now. With his sad <laughs> kind of lame voice. And he's, uh, you know, t- threatening that he might murder him just for the dishonor he does to Erebus and whatever. And he's getting in there. And just as he's leaving, Carcassi's like, first Captain Abaddon might ask you a question. And he's like, no, you may not, snarled Abaddon. He's like, what was the silver coin you gave Erebus when you met him? Like doing a little like, uh, what's his name? Uh, old tiny detective had the cigars. Just one more thing. Columbo. Columbo. Oh, he like Columbo does a Columbo moment, moment there as he's yeah. walking away. Carcassi has a death wish. Oh, I know. Like this is the, <laughs> he really does. This is the second time he's mouthed off too. Yeah, just he's getting weirdly bold yeah. around Space Marines. Um, but that leads us into Chapter Four. Erebus's pants are on fire. <laughs> the Carcassi whiplash from cool back to gross continues, and Horace gets a biographer. Um, so yeah, it just starts off with Abaddon just going to Stone Cold Murder Carcassy, and if Logan hadn't been there, he would have died. Um, and I just like, again, that Carcassy is just like, I imagine him sort of standing behind Logan, <laughs> like, looking scared or whatever. Um, and, you know, Logan's trying to say, it's like, you can't just kill Remembrancers, dude, you can't just kill people. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't care. I don't know. Sorry. I don't, I don't have anything good to say about this. I just want to get to the part where we're talking about Carcassy again. Because that's, in there. Well, I, first we get to well, a little. We have to say a little bit about Erebus ugh. and that they're standing there and he was chatting with him on the trip. We're doing a little time jump and chatting with him on the trip to to Davin from. And we haven't talked about this much at all. I couldn't even bring myself to mention it last book, Eric, about how excited you were about the InterX. And it's like, I can't wait to see more of the InterX. <laughs> and then the and whole time we're right talking on the horizon, about that. Right? And it's like, oh, man, when do I tell him there's no more InterX? <laughs> we just completely <laughs> abandoned these people. I like that he, he mentioned Mithras Toll again. Yes. And it's like we get a teeny bit of the InterX, but it's like, no, nah, just sorry. Your your favorite thing, thing you thought were really cool, real neat guys. Nah, just can't be bothered that thread. It's oh, it goes nowhere. So well, I know from Googling them that they exist in the tabletop game. So I guess if I ever build a little plastic army, I can make them an NRX and that will be how I get that out of my system. <laughs> got it too, so they're not going to talk about them for any length of time. But uh, we get to to Erebus uh, chatting with them and it's revealed that he's lying about uh, what he has done and Loken is w- aware that he seems to know more about chaos than he's letting on and more importantly we get the the mystery trope where he's like the Interrex said that we took a Kynabrak sword from the Hall of Devices but we didn't do that and then Loken's like no one told him it was a Kynabrak sword dun, 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 dun. he revealed that he knew something that he wasn't supposed to know um, also weirdly the Chronicles of Ursh like required reading for Space Marines because uh, er- er- Loken brings up the Chronicles verse and Erebus is like, oh, yeah, 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 totally read that. It's on yeah. my, got it's on like my the, Audible account. their version of Western Civ where we all have <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Everyone's <laughs> read the Chronicles of Ursh. Yeah. I mean, again, I grew up on an entirely different planet than you, neither of which was Earth, but we love this Earth history book that's widely considered to be untrue, but everyone gets into it. So, um, but yes, now we can get to, to Carcassy. And the right back to gross as he is trying to, I guess, get seduced by another remembrancer um, in exchange for him. Get putting in a good word for her with Loken. And you're like, ah, why is all this happening? Why is any of this part? Yeah, poor Wenduin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Just had... like 
why do they have to have already people talking about women and how good they are between the sheets right all over the ship he's uh, heard about it. yes and it's the whole and they just so mad really get into it um and she and, dresses like a lady yeah. yeah well and we get to some more euphrates keeler um the change in her since the last time he'd seen her was remarkable instead of her usual ensemble of boots and fatigues she wore the beige robe of a female remembrancer and her long hair had been cut into a modest fringe Though more obviously feminine, Carxy was disappointed to find that the change was not to his liking, preferring her aggressive stylings to the strange sexless quality of this attire granted. She can't it's like, win. It's can't just win. stop it. Yes. It's, stop it's amazing how many men, as someone who's cut all my hair off before, it's amazing how many men still want to tell you how much better they liked it before. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're getting, <laughs> we keep seeing these things where it's like this is supposed to reflect. Again, that Euphrates starting to get like super into this religion of the emperor and she's changing her outfit and her style to reflect like this sort of um, so priest role mm-hmm. she's adopting in this thing. But they have to present it in just the grossest way they can. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here and we're not ever going to get on the other side I'm of it, apparently, from Graham. I'm surprised that you at the beginning of this chapter, you didn't say Carcassy tries to do a quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah, he, he has not taken the sexual harassment training. Right, uh, he's like very hard trying to do a quid pro quo yes. here. He's oh. like, yes, I'll tell Loken about you. Let's yeah, let's go do this. Like how mad he gets about like striking out like with it that it's not. It's just yeah. I, generously, I think you could attribute this that like this is the character, not the author. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're giving us hints from his perspective that he's not interpreting this as this slide into this religious fervor that right. Euphrates is going through. But, it's... but then Carcassy is supposed to be like a cool guy, uh-huh. it seems like too. So I don't love that he's Well, well his, they're, his they're phrasing they're, yeah. they're phrasing I feel like we we haven't really talked about anybody having sex a lot. And the first person yeah. that we hear about who is a se- very actively sexual being supposedly, we don't know. Um is framed as some sort of predator. Yeah. Who isn't doing it for pleasure or for just, you know, whatever reasons she has, it's for gain. And I feel like that that's a big narrative. Uh, uh, anytime you have a lot of men in a workplace or something like that, is that if a woman is in a position of power, she must have slept her way there, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what made me... That's the perspective. I was getting a very gross perspective here. It would be one thing if we saw sexually active characters all over the place and we had a few of them and this person was like this. That would be different. But it's the fact that we don't have any positive sexual representation, really, uh, other than the slight <laughs> that like we also when we also saw Keeler having sex. So these are the only two kind of sexual encounters we've had. And hers was obviously some sort of self-medicating because right. she's having a mental trauma breakdown thing. trauma. Like let people in the Warhammer 40K universe enjoy sex in a positive way. And also yeah. this character, this female character has to sleep her way to the top. Petronella is nepotism. Mm. But Carcassy, he's a good poet. So well, he yes. he's earned his position next to Loki and everybody else's. He disparages her art. Yeah. Uh he says, they'll let anyone be a remembrancer these days, just because he doesn't understand what kind of art she does. And I feel like that was pretty gross. You know, he that that line made me feel like if if Petronella liked his art, that they would be a great couple. Right. <laughs> because um but she also hates his. 
Um, but then we get to uh, uh, Euphrates is dropping off pamphlets. She's doing the weird. <laughs> She's going from table to table, leaving little. Uh, uh, do you have time to talk <laughs> about tracks. our Lord and Savior, the Emperor? Oh my gosh! I hope. I wish oh. that they were chick tracks. Can somebody? Okay, audience. I'm on this one too. <laughs> audience, <laughs> make us make us some Emperor chick trick. Oh, there's so many good. There's got a lot him. of room there. I got it. Because she's on the side where she thinks the emperor is a god. Is a god, yes. Emphatic. Because and swell. as the guy in chapter one said, only real deities deny their... Uh-huh. <laughs> right. It's, it's, real. The, it's a real catch... Is that, Would that be considered a catch-22 I think that's here? A ca- I think yeah. that's a proper catch-22. Yeah. Yes. Is it you... whenever... Yeah, you if you say you're... It reminds, actually, it reminds me of SLC Punk. <laughs> Okay. No you Here's the timely references you, again. <laughs> where if you say you're a punk, you're a poser. Uh-huh. But if you say you're a poser, you're a punk. And it's a it's a little like a it, there's a little life of Brian in there too. When everyone's worshiping Brian and he's like, I'm not the Messiah, and he's like, only the Messiah would say he's not the Messiah. And it's like I am the Messiah, and they're like, ah, he's the Messiah. So yeah, there's no no winning here. So we've had that some... really fits here. Oh, go ahead. Okay, well, you go ahead. Okay. So I'm that really fits for this because. It seems like Horus is very much on track to eventually claim, I am right. a god. And like, I guess the emperor is who they're worshiping, but Horus seems on track to want right. to step in, into he wants that in role, on too. Yeah. But anyway, we get to Euphrates. She's dropping pamphlets off. Kark sees real grumpy about the fact that she's doing it. She she storms to her place. She has the symbol on the bulkhead next to her room of, of this emperor worshiping thing. And I like the... You know, she comes to the door and he's like, we need to talk. And she's like, yes, we do. And you can smell the like scented candles in there. She has like a whole whole church set up now going on out of her room. So is is he going to get converted? I think that's by that's her the implication here. Yes. Vagina. I don't think that's the implication. I was wrong. We were what? going to different implications. <laughs> is that, and... Like, because now I'm like, has she been bringing people in here and converting them with the power of sex? Right. <laughs> So, lactitio divinitatis sex cult. So, this is going to be... Maybe that other character was foreshadowing. She's sleeping her way into good articles, and this character's sleeping her way into, I don't know, more followers for her god emperor cult. Right. Like that Nelsium cult. Nexium? Nexium, yes. There we go. Yeah. Hey, timely reference. That's a fairly timely. A couple years old. It's timely. I'll tie it into... Sure, we'll say it's timely. Smallville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as timely, but that was that. Mm -hmm. Watchtower. And then we get Horace meeting, finally meeting with Petronella, um, because she's trying to be his biographer. And then we get to the part about the massive scale of everything. And she assumes that his bed is just an affectation to make him seem more human, because she can't even imagine the idea of a Primarch sleeping. Uh, She also wears a dress, a Scarlet bodice with scandalous decolletage, and it's a good. Yes. People don't get to use the word decolletage often is, enough. Is she the word. one who said yeah. like if her if her breath wasn't al- already been taken away by her bodice, yes. then yeah. Horace oh. would take it. I actually did really like that. Yeah, that I was funny. <laughs> um, she also mentions her sartorial restraint. So I will say, Graham's breaking out a bunch of words I love. Yeah. So um, Horace apparently has short hair now. Yes, but I don't know from the time jumps because it's also he in this chapter. It's re- He's just into hair now. In this chapter, it's referred to as bald as well, and there's time jumps. So I'm like, is, is he a little shaggy here, and he's about to shave it before he does something we've already read, or is he going to have? Well, it's locks starting later. So here's my my theory um, on this: is that uh, so they talk about how fast all of these people heal, 
and such, does their hair grow like comically quickly? That like, it every hold morning, on, hold on. Like, I just have in another, constant, it's interview with I the vampire. I have a more timely <laughs> reference now. This is an I think you should leave sketch. Mm. <laughs> You know the one? Shannon, I'm amazed that you have not found a way <laughs> yeah. to bring that show up yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, listeners, this is uh, a yeah. real thing. Yeah. Shannon has watched all the episodes of I Think You Should Leave conservatively 9,000 times. <laughs> so, we talk. Yes. 40,000 times. And spoilers. Mm-hmm. But, I, uh, but no, that sketch, you know, where you can hire a man in a gorilla suit to come rip your, because you're wearing... The ball, the ball, the ball thing, yes, right. yes, yes. So I think Horace is probably wearing a toupee, but maybe he hired someone to come rip it off his soon head. A, soon a kind of brack is going to uh, come in and oh, just, there you go. He's just got like a big wig selection mm. and like a drag queen, just a huge room. Ready, I like this. Wigs yeah, to, uh, switch them on. Well, it's weird because I feel that in no art that has ever been made of Horace in all of Warhammer ever. Has he been portrayed as anything except bald? So now I like to think that he has like just a huge number of haircuts um, <laughs> that he, he cycles through for various things. Yeah, but it describes, I think, in that earlier passage when he's lurking in the dark that he runs his hand over his shaved head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I guess he just shaved Which is it very then. heart of yeah. darkness, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's you think that's what he's doing? He's doing a Marlon Brando. So a lot of whispering weirdness. Um but he, he wants he, he's asking Petronella if she wants to be his documentarist. She wants it to be um, determined to do so. He sort of makes fun of her. And then eventually she does the uh, the, the sort of plucky. It's like, if you're going to make fun of me, you can go to hell. And then he's like, ha ha. That's what I thought. I, I was just trying to get a rise out of you to show that you got you got a spine. You got gumption. Um, he also calls her girl and lass over the course Fucking of this chapter, yes. which is unfortunate. And it does not stop. No. Um, as it does. Um, I and, really was hoping she'd start calling him a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy. Uh, <laughs> Pal. Pal. They also uh, find that he leaves out his book of, I think he leaves out his little astrology book. Mm-hmm. Um, that. It really, it really seems like, you know, whenever you're bringing someone over to your apartment for the first time yes. or something and he leaves a book out and he's like, oh, that thing. I didn't want to talk about that at all. Let's talk about it. Yes. I didn't leave that out on purpose. So to make myself look it. cool and smart. Those yeah. three different Dostoevsky books just fell out of my bag. <laughs> I just I just, you know, had those with me um, as they go. Um, but finally, she's going to get to be his documentarist and. We're going to he's going to show her how the Astartes get ready for war. Yeah, they're going to go to the thing as we go to chapter five. Before we do that, I just wanted to read my least favorite sentence, I think, in this entire (laughs) book. Um, But Horace stood behind her as massive form clad in battle plate as ever. He was almost overwhelmingly intimidating, physical and masculine. And the thought of sharing a room with such a powerful specimen of manhood in the absence of a chaperone gave her guilt a delicious edge. And that's going back to me describing this book. Unlike the everyone is gay, I don't make the rules. My tagline for this book is aggressively heterosexual. (laughs) I agree. I agree. This book is it did take a turn. Yeah, I don't ever want to hear about a powerful specimen of manhood. Um, (laughs) All right. So we get into then chapter five horse faces and horse play. Loken is or is not spooked again. And five chapters with no violence. So, right. Yes. I realized as I was getting to the end of this chapter, we'll just jump ahead a little bit. Unlike Dan, Graham apparently does not feel the need to chum the water. There An is entire nobody section. No guns go off. No, no loop viscera. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There were murderous murders. There were murder balls. balls, but there was a lot of 
threaten violence. There was a lot of people just about to do some violence, but nothing. It's it's wild. A uh, hundred pages almost of a Warhammer book, and and no no bolters, no chain swords, no nothing. Um, but we start off with that they're getting prepared to go down and kill the treacherous Yugen Temba, who we all feel we all wailed when we heard about how <laughs> terrible he was. Um, and they're getting everybody to go, and they're they're getting their forces together to uh, we're we're seeing another oath of moment scene um, as everyone's there, and we get some classic we get some classic Mornaval. You know, the Mornaval hasn't been Mornavaling real hard this book so far, and now they're starting to joke with each other. They're all making fun of Abaddon because Abaddon can't choose what bullets he wants to use to murder people. I like they have some fun. It's yeah. like Torgadon's still working on his Type 15. Yes. Should we have some Something blowing up some stuff? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We hear about like he has some dumb bear joke. They're all talking about maybe they should have what remembrancers. What world do they go to that has bears I mean, on it? Maybe the same one that Horace got his wolf pelt from. Okay. <laughs> so all of these are there. Uh, they make fun of Loken for being straight up and down in a star charge. We're getting just real classic, classic Mornaval. Classic. Um, My question here is, this going to be the final Mornaval oh. meeting? Because I feel like we're time short. We're yeah. getting we're getting that moment where like you get the one last real fun time with uh-huh. the friends before something Feels bad. Very tropey. Oh, there's a there's a prediction I like to see, um, and then we get I think my favorite scene with them ever is. Horace meets Petronella and asks if she would like to meet the Mornival. And she's like, oh, yeah, I want to meet the Mornival. And they go and literally, I think Loken has Tarek in a head, like in a, in a headlock. <laughs> and they're like, I think noogies are being done. Like they are, it's just horseplay. It is, they are just children horsing around <laughs> before again. They're going to go murder a ton of people soon. Um, Exterminate. Yes. Like, we are not messing around here. And that Horace is like, I just love that he brings him up to the Mordaval. And they're, again, eight foot tall, nine foot tall, giants in power armor, like fighting like children. I'm <laughs> um, waiting for one of them to go, ooh, a girl. <laughs> right? Well, Abaddon does say another damn remembrancer. You know, he's, he's mad about it. Um, but then also I noticed because... He introduces Abaddon, and Petronella's like, oh, Abaddon, from the battle at Ulanor you told me about. And Abaddon beams at the recognition because, again, he is a tiny child in his heart. He's like, oh, she knew my name. I'm I'm so proud of myself. It's it's a thing. So um, so we get sweet, sweet Mourn of All moments um, before they take Horace's oath of moment to get prepared to go down to Davin's Moon. Um, there's much shouting of Lupercal. Um, a trend I'm noticing a lot uh, from Graham McNeil is there's a lot of punching of the air. Um, this is, I think, the third or fourth time someone that has punched the air. also feels like, um, like they're teenage boys, because it kind of reminds me of like uh, the never-ending story. Yeah. He's, uh-huh. he's younger than a teenage boy. Or, um, I don't know, do the three ninjas do that? <laughs> See, I was thinking more Jersey Shore. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Fist okay. pumping. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, those are just 90s kids grown up. This is true. <laughs> So a lot of Maybe air punching. Kids grow up there. Um, and then we get everyone flying down to Davin. We have. Oh, wait, before that. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, the heights are all fucked up here. And it's driving me fucking crazy because Horace leans in to hug Petronella and she's described as coming up to his chest or something. He's supposed to be like, can't do the math of what scale, but like 
yeah, space marines are like eight feet tall, and he's like two, whatever. Yeah. He's to a space marine what a space marine is to a normal person, exactly, because yeah. that's how all scales work in 40k. That's why I was hopeful for Graham at first, because he was like, this Titan machine is 43 meters tall. It's not its scale compared to something else. Right. <laughs> it's objectively how big it uh-huh. is. Maybe Petronella is just like a supermodel. She's super tall. She's, super she's tall. got some real high. Uh, she's on like some <laughs> super tall boots. She's described as being like heels. tall, but I'm like, yeah. is she tall for human or is she like, you know, is she like I six see feet or is she like, she's tall for human in that she is eight and a half feet tall. Right. <laughs> I could see some like rich people in this time oh. period being like, we're going to augment ourselves That's to yeah. have like well, unnaturally long legs. Or... Yeah, I mean, I think they said she's had facial sculpting. Yeah. I could see her having other things done. I'm, I'm just trying to help Graham out because yeah. he's been <laughs> trashing on him a lot. Do you think she's that, got that sexy giraffe neck. Do you think that in <laughs> the future that they do the, the too, much, too much fillers in their face thing or do you think she has a different look or do you think that she has like a when they say fa- face sculpting, I was just imagining very sharp features. Oh yeah. They, that's what that's what I presumed. I, I get a like a real like again almost predatory but like that's what they're into in this world you know. Um, But then everyone so they, they get everyone to go down to the planet um we have a huge amount of like imperial army soldiers we get of course uh vast amounts of astardes we of course get the titans with the deus Ere going down to the world <laughs> every time every time i hear the words this feels really appropriate now, though. They're going into battle, so... Here yes. Right. Yeah. We're it getting a very... very dramatic. Uh, what is it? Like, very Apocalypse Now, uh, Flight of the Valkyries moment as, as everything goes in there. And, of course, we get flashbacks to last book because they're flying into battle to win a battle that's going to be super easy and they don't have to worry about anything and they start getting spooky Vox messages. Have they learned their lesson about doing any reconnaissance and getting any intelligence before going into battle? That's actually something I want to talk about too is they go down to Davin the first time and it's like no one knows anything that's going on. He's like, where's Yugentemba? The guy in charge of the planet that apparently he didn't even call on the way in <laughs> to like get a message. It's like the fact that he gets completely blindsided on the planet with Erebus being like, oh yeah, Yugentemba uh, declared uh, independence. And it's like, when you get to the world, wouldn't you check with the guy in charge of the world? And he's like, he'll be at this council meeting, right? I don't have time to like send out Google invites or anything. I don't know who's going to be there. I'm just going to storm and expect everyone's supposed to be around. And I think that's the same thing. I don't think they look anywhere to see what's going to be like when they land. Wow. Or crazy. investigate. Like, we're the opposite of Star These Trek. These guys really need... They have so many very specific jobs they need to have some sort of intelligence people. Somebody. Isn't that what Malagurst used to do? Wasn't he an intelligence? Yeah. Or where are... <sighs> well, you find out in the 40K universe, because every legion has their own shtick, there's one legion that does that. But what? apparently they don't work with anybody else. <laughs> so we okay. might meet the Alpha Legion in a future book. Oh, my God. But they're like the ones that are like super into intelligence and that kind of thing. But apparently, again, it's like, let's have each one do its own mm-hmm. thing and never interact with the others. I guess when your fists are murder balls, you don't really care what's waiting yeah, for you. Yeah, I guess who gives a fuck? <laughs> Just go murder ball it to death and call it a day. I like the fact that there's another spooky voice. Yes. I like the fact that we hear, like, blessed be the hand of Nurgleth. Which is a very Cthulhu-y, yeah. is very Lovecraftian sounding. 
thing. Um, but I, I like Loken is kind of like, oh, is this actually coming off over the Vox? And they're like, no, this is seriously just on the Vox now. And he's kind of a little like, phew. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Well, that's okay then. Yeah. yeah. Just a spooky radio message. Mm-hmm. That's, that's but all right. But you guys, I know you probably are ready to hear the evil voice. Yes. Are how we... how Samus-y is this? Okay, let's... Well, I don't know. Do you guys... Do we want to do the thing where you guys all try to do it based on the... So it's a watery, rasping voice. A gargling, wet voice we hear a lot oh, of. You want to give me a line <laughs> yeah. of a gargling, wet voice? Page yes. 100 I have. Yes. The very dialogue. at the bottom. The ways of men... Folly, seek, doom of all things. All right, on. Um, nice, uh, Sarah. Do you have a do you have a wet, watery, raspy voice? I don't know that I do, but I can I can see. Do, should I just read the same? Or there's one, or there's, there's a little more bit lines more later. down there. Yeah, you could bless it be the hand of Nergleth. Okay, I'll try that. Nerg Nergleth sure. is fun. Blessed be the hand of Nurgleth. Blessed be, blessed be. All right, Shannon, do you? Have I mean, a... I know what it sounds like. Okay, it's unfair. Wait, do for we want to hear? It. Do we want to make it sound uh, moist? Hold on, hold yeah. on. <laughs> oh yeah, break. let me get a good. Let me get a good mouthful for mine here. Yeah. Pronounce the words. Oh, that went terribly. Yeah. Anyway. I got water <laughs> over everything. That felt very Lovecraftian. Yes. yes. <laughs> Too much water. I want to actually do the thing. I don't know. I, every time I try to think of it, I just end up with, um, what's his name? The lobster guy from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> do um, that. Do that. Less, yeah. I can't do it good. Um, Less, <laughs> yes. Whoa, yes, exactly. Less it be the hand of Nurgle. Why not Zoid Nurgle? Um, okay. But what's the, what's the real thing? And then he heard it. Faint as though coming from somewhere impossibly far away, was a voice, a gargling, wet voice. The ways of man, folly, seek doom of all things. In death and rebirth shall mankind live forever. <laughs> there was some gargling yeah. in there. So, you know what I'm going to say about, I don't know who reads these audiobooks. Yeah, he yeah, nailed Toby, it. Toby, Toby Longworth. Longworth. So, Toby Longworth doesn't fuck Shout around out. with the spooky voices. Toby Longworth narrated a book <laughs> in the 40K universe. <laughs> Is that Alan Rickman? <laughs> it's kind of Alan, Alan Rickman doing. But, uh, so we get there, and of course, we are reminded that Loken doesn't feel fear. No. But a little spooky <laughs> he's a little taken aback he only uh, peed a little bit but yes um we also hear that abaddon has a hard chthonic laugh which i don't know what that means like spurts. what what's a different oh yeah <laughs> his laughter spurts out of him on a regular basis um and you know they go so anyway then they they finally they get down there they land on davin's moon and once more as shannon brought up earlier no heads up on what's down there and in fact reflects on it's like oh this is supposed to be all dry and deserty and whatever and it's all moist gross wet smells like worse than the latrines of ulinor um what my mortis heads you know who you are to shout out (laughs) what reference i want to make but i'm not making okay carry on then i think they they drop in and there's burps of noxious gases when they step down there and everything and it's the bog of eternal stench from the labyrinth (laughs) 
and yes, everything's gross and no one. Uh, but again, they can't do anything to like look at that before they get there. Um, and then it just ends us with Loken realizing that there's going to be something bad, something very bad. And yeah, no violence. That's part one. And not a single gun is fired. Not a single chainsword is revved. No loops of viscera are looped. If there's, if we're still making unnecessary references, that's uh, our whole shit. Should at I this ask point. if there are any R O U S is there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be dangerous to get in there. So, um, so yeah. So obviously we have some thoughts on this first, this first section here of uh, Graham McNeil's A Poor Man's Dan Abnett. Um, poor Graham. But uh, turn around. Where, where do people think we're going from here now? I'm guessing they're going to murder an innocent person or a somewhat innocent person. You think Yugen Temba might be, uh, might be, might be. I mean, it's not going to be obviously like like totally cut and dry. Like maybe he doesn't, maybe he's rebelling, but. I'm hoping we're going to see. I don't know that he is. I hope we see another Jubal thing. Yeah, I need, we need some Jubal things. I do love a good Jubal thing. Some Zeds. That's British for Z. (laughs) Some Zulus. Yeah, some Zulus. (laughs) Um. Did we ever come back to the claw-handed lady? Nope. Um, so I'm guessing because it's like Chekhov's gun, like she's got to come oh, back, right? right? Like so, Claw-hand she's probably lady. here. Weird to put her in the first chapter. I don't chapter. remember her name, but Akshub. Akshub. Thank you. Yes. And I yeah. just realized that we never. They're like we're going to introduce back. this character and yeah. done with her. It's a so. good point. You don't just have one paragraph point of view lady, right? Yeah. She's talking about a prophecy or uh-huh. something, and then she's just gone. There's got to be that. <laughs> but, you know, it never happened. Weird. So um, so in our previous episode, we talked about Kirksey limericks, and I was extremely enamored by the idea of limericks in the 40K universe. And I think I'm also the only one that wrote some 40K limericks, <laughs> but I wrote like four of them because once I started getting into it, I was doing laundry and you can just write limericks in your head while should you're doing laundry. Should we each write one? Each write one? I mean, should we each read one? Um, I wrote two lines of one. <laughs> that's, sort of, that's sort of one. Um, people are welcome. I can, I can read one. And if other people want to read one. You go ahead. Okay. Well, the first one is the one I'm most proud of because I feel it's the most limericky. But there was an imperial fist of whom it was said that he never missed. But when it came time to pee, he let loose with such glee that his brothers all got very pissed. (laughs) Oh, Walter. Look at that. (laughs) That Right there. So so the mission statement perfectly executed. That's how we do. The other ones are a little more inside joke, a little less, uh, uh, more inside jokey, a little less uh, in there. But mine's uh, stupid. Can I say mine real quick? Do yours. You say yes. good ones. I only have two lines, so a listener can finish this. There once was a spider from murder, whose male coworkers respected her. I was going to do a whole thing about how the Imperium is all sexist, but the spiders were going to be like chill. Going to be okay. Uh, okay. That's as far. I think she was going to. Yeah. You got to have some about wet loads in there. Yeah. You can work it in. If somebody can get some wet loads in. Um. One that harkens back to, I think, one of our earlier times. I hope you don't think that we're thick, but do space marines even have dicks? We've been reading for ages, just pages and pages. Black Library, answer this quick. So I just need to get in there. Um, finally, there once was an author named Dan who wrote a lot about a beautiful man. I think that his fiction reveals his predilections that he is an erotica fan. So that's, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm convinced. Where's the fourth one? I'm convinced that Ann Dabnett. Well, that's the one. It's that's the dumb my dumbest rhyme scheme. It's very lazy rhyme scheming, but I don't care. You got some slant rhymes in there. Sorta. No, okay. it's cheaty rhymes. Okay. There once was a poet named Carcassy, whom's bite was less worse than his barkassy. 
Okay. If he doesn't watch out, I'm worried about him ending up all dead and carcassy. <laughs> ah, so okay. I really like that. Carcassy with carcass, carcass, yes. Carcass with Ooh, a Y. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, carcass with a C. Yes. Once I, I just, think they both have... they all both have Y's. Yes. Yes. Carcassy with a Y is not carcassy helping. With a y is not, yeah. Also, his name. That's just his name. Yes. But that's the one maybe I'm most proud of because it's the dumbest and laziest. But I that think Limerick's my favorite. My favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> Limerick's uh, I could tell the you home. didn't really want to read that one, but I like it. No, I either because he's just he's just mouthing off. Well, we mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit anyway. Yeah, that's my that's my Limerick's. Hopefully, people at home will also share some with me. Yeah, to make a trick tr- chick track. I'm gonna do one make of those. I want to see these chick tracks. And don't chick forget to tracked. make the Dies Irae. Don't forget to make. Actually, you should make it twerk to this song. Yes. <laughs> if anyone who can animate. <laughs> Damn it! I've failed every time I haven't videoed Walter dancing to this song because that needs to be. It's really a, yeah. good. There's a little dance that goes along. That with would be a good TikTok. That plays. That would be a magical TikTok. That's true. Well, um, especially now it's getting more twerky as <laughs> the, the dance has evolved uh, to get in there. So um, that wraps up uh, section one. So we're going to be doing. Part two, Plague Moon, uh, for next episode, which is another about 100 pages, but a lot. The, the chapters are way punchier um, in this one, because in the same time, same number of pages, roughly, that we did five chapters, I think it's like 11 or 12 for section two. So I suspect, yes, it's uh, till 238. It's 13 chapters, all of section two. But I think we're going to get a lot more snappy, and I, I suspect violence is going to happen. All right, and then Henry, get back to us. Which Sex in the City is uh, is Loken and the rest of the Mournival? Because that's what they—they're all the Sex in the Cities, right? Yeah, they're that's, all Sex in the Cities. It's about like a band. We sex always in like the to do that, like you know, it's like Halo is a cool guy, you know. He doesn't afraid. Cool oh. He doesn't afraid of anything. He also does not feel fear, except he probably does. <laughs> but we like to call people by the name of whatever the thing is that they're in. So Henry, we're getting some uh, we're getting some user data on who's listening to our podcast. So we know that when we see one pop up in England, that it's definitely that's you. definitely you. So whoever our first English <laughs> listener is, we know it's Henry Cavill. So um, and, and Walter, you know, I got a cross promote. Oh, God, I'm the worst <laughs> at doing plugs. I love you're all plugs for my Enneagram heads. I'm leaning into my three wing and that involves plugging, plug, plug away, plugging and cross promoting. Go to ericstrangefellow.com. I'd really love it if you'd do that. And then I like to do a specific one, too. This week, my band Archer Arcana enjoyed a nice little unexpected spike in listeners. And that was felt good. So let's I'd like to continue that. So check out my band, Archer Arcana. Huzzah. Sarah. One of two bands. I have nothing to plug right now. Um, but Plug old shit. I just, I just want to say... I'm going to plug Dan Abnett <laughs> as an apology for how hard I was on him yeah. in the last book. We didn't know, Dan. <laughs> we didn't know. We know. Did you plug your birthday earlier? I did so, plug my birthday. Somebody yeah. who doesn't understand the word plug. <laughs> and I'm going to plug Tabletop Game and Hobby in Overland things. Park, Kansas. There's a new edition of Warhammer. Go play with some little plastic dudes. Yeah, it's real good. Come on down. I, I, I want to play some games. So, All right. Well, thank you all. We'll see you all next episode on Zero to 40K. Walter knew Warhammer real well, so he seized every opportunity to tell anyone he could about the books, but no one ever gave them a sound.
second look so he thought hey i'll start a podcast and he gathered around him together at last three friends willing to jump into the fray and go from zero to 40k Zero to 40K was created by our war master, Walter Stewart. Production by Administrator Shannon Tierney. Music by Eric Strangefellow. Special thanks to Sarah Fecky. Check out everything we're up to at 0240k.com.